enjoy every year, and we also uh, do a poll every year to see what you like best. So I'll have you vote here in a minute, but what's your favorite part? Is it the food, or is it the commercials, or is it the game? How many for the food out there? All right, I, I'm with you. All right. How about commercials? Commercials? How about the game? Uh, I don't know. Maybe commercials one. I'm not sure about that. Well, for those of you who uh, don't know, San Francisco 49ers and the Baltimore Ravens, who really cares, but uh, they'll be playing uh, tonight, and Super Bowl Sunday is uh, quite an event. Let me just run over some Super Bowl stats here uh, with you. Uh, they're going to be a projected 125 million viewers. In fact, we're having our own party here tonight. If you don't have a place to go, we'd love to have you. Uh, it's the number one home party of the year. Average is 17 people at each party. $55 million is spent on food. It only comes second to Thanksgiving for days when we feed our faces to that degree. The first 15 minutes, uh, most of that food is consumed. <laughs> So we get right to work. Uh, yeah, we, we like popcorn. I guess that's for people on our diet. And, uh, and the rest of us like chips. 15,000 tons of chips. And what we do is we take 12 million pounds of avocado and make 8 million pounds of guacamole. And oh my, that's a super meal in itself. No doubt it is uh, a fun time. So with that in perspective, let's watch this video. I was watching TV the other day, and this show comes on with these religious fanatics. They were crazy. Well, you would think they were crazy if you didn't understand their culture and their religion. See, that's just the thing. They were worshippers of idols, and they took things to extremes. They painted their bodies. They wore these ridiculous costumes. They chanted. They danced. They, they made sacrifices to their idols. But they had built these enormous temples to worship their idols in. It seemed like their entire existence climaxed into this one scenario, this one over-the-top act of worship. You don't really relate, do you? Let's try it again. I was watching TV the other day, and this show comes on with these religious fanatics. They were crazy. See, that's just the thing. They were worshippers of idols, and they took things to extremes. They painted their bodies. They wore these ridiculous costumes. They chanted. They danced. They, they made sacrifices to their idols. But they had built these enormous temples to worship their idols in. It seemed like their entire existence climaxed into this one scenario, this one over-the-top act of worship. Idol worship. It's not just about golden calves anymore. Idol worship. Now, what's the definition of idol worship? Well, the things we give our thoughts, time, and treasure to in order to find the meaning and satisfaction we can only find in God. It's all about our thoughts and our time and our treasure. Now, some people, football is their idol. I mean, football is all year long, uh, off-season, in-season, 
they give their thinking over to football, thinking about the next game or the game that just happened or the draft picks. They spend their time watching sports TV, ESPN. They, they listen to sports radio all the time. They read constantly about their team or teams that they're interested in. They spend hours and hours watching football. They spend a lot of money. Probably the major investment is having the proper TV to watch football with. Their main justification to their wife is why they should have a particular screen as they deserve it. They, they want to be there on the field with the players. <laughs> Big screen TV. Football is their life. Now, I'm, I'm not picking on people who might have their idol as football because we all have our idols. Okay, that's just an example. It happens to be Super Bowl Sunday. We all have our idols, the things that we, in a sense, bow down to worship instead of God. The things that we chase after, we've been looking at Ecclesiastes and how we need to chase after Jesus, but our sinful heart just draws us off course and we start chasing after the stuff in this world as Solomon talked about and, and we just become consumed with it. Even though we know that in the end it's, it's going to be vanity. It's going to be meaningless. God hates idol worship. We look at the Ten Commandments found in Exodus chapter 20. The first commandment, and God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. You see, the Israelites were fresh out of Egypt, 400 years of slavery, and all they knew was idol worship. The Egyptians had all their gods. Remember the ten plagues? Those ten plagues, each of them addressed a different god that Egypt had, and God was saying, you think that's your god? You think that god is powerful? No way. I am the god. And now he has to teach his people that you don't worship idols. You don't worship different gods for different things. I'm the only one that you worship. I'm the only one that you give yourself to. Now, we think today, for example, Hindus. Hindus believe there's one God, but there's very different manifestations of God. So they'll have different idols in their home. They'll have different idols at their temple, and they'll give things to their idols and uh, serve their idols and, and so forth. The more idols, the better. The more possibilities of things going well. Well, you know, we kind of look at that and say, that's strange, but really it's not that strange. Now, we might not have a, a carved image in our living room, but we have other idols that we worship. And what I want to do is I want to step through some common idols that people have, and I just want you to ask God to speak to you about, okay, do any of these resonate in your heart? And you say, that's it. That's my idol. That's where a lot of my thoughts go to, a lot of my time goes to, and a lot of my money goes to. 
So what we worship, we worship football, as I talked about some of us. A technology. Yeah, I can fall into that idol sometimes. You know, I'm in the latest tablet. I'm in the latest smartphone, computer, whatever. Cars, trucks, <laughs> that type of thing. Some guys and women struggle with that. Or your home, or your art, that, that, that can be an idol. Or your health can be an idol. So what are you talking about your health? Well, yeah, I mean, certainly it's very important to take care of our bodies, but it can be what you put your trust in. In the sense, okay, I'm going to trust myself. I'm going to take care of my body. And maybe it's also an appearance, image type of thing. And so, therefore, you're going to put all your time and energy and thoughts and money into, again, uh, what you think, of course, is just taking care, good care of your body, but without realizing it becomes an idol. It's like what you look to in terms of your self-image and what people think about you. And it goes on and on. All these uh, can become idols if they get out of whack and we are not putting God as uh, number one. Hobbies. Now, if you really like your work, well, that might tend to be your idol. But if you really hate your work, sometimes you can go toward a hobby and use that as an idol. So you work all day to come home and do your hobby. Woodworking or, I don't know, there's all kinds of hobbies out there. Just look on the Internet. Uh, and, and that is what you live for. That's what brings you satisfaction. And that's the nature of an idol. That's why we struggle so much with idols, because idols bring us immediate satisfaction on a daily basis. And we think, okay, this is feeding me, and so we want more and more and more of it. And so it becomes an idol. And with God, well, the satisfaction is not as immediate. Cultivating a relationship with Jesus, getting to know Him, walking with Him, is a slow process. And so therefore, just because of our sinful hearts, we tend to want to cheat to get satisfaction. So we go for the empty satisfaction and we miss out on the true joy that God wants for us to experience in life. That's why we struggle so much with idol worship. Pets. Oh my, we go on about pets, right? The amount of money that people spend on pets and they really kind of live with their pets. Uh, children. Now, what's wrong with caring for your children? Well, nothing wrong with it. You should do it. But again, if that's what you're looking for as your main source of meaning and satisfaction and you're investing too much time, too much money, and too much of your thought, and it's almost anathema to say that in our culture today. Because really, there's a worship of children factor that we have in our culture going on. And uh, we just have to be very careful about that. Talked about work last week. Uh, reputation. Some of you are into image management. Well, we're all into image management. What am I saying? <laughs> yeah. But some of us, really, it's all about that. And therefore, we want to look a certain way. We want to present ourselves in a certain way. And no, oh, we're worshiping ourselves. It's really everything here is worship of self instead of worship of God. TV, movie watching, entertainment. Our spouse can become an idol. And I know some of you are saying, hey, that, that's okay if somebody wants to worship me. In fact, my husband needs to do a little idol worship. You know? I would like a little more of his time and a little more of his thoughts and a lot more of his money. <laughs> right? 
Yeah, I mean, even something healthy like that, a healthy marriage relationship. In fact, I, a good friend of mine uh, shared this uh, in a group. He was saying, you know, I, I'm concerned that maybe I, I, uh, I worship my wife. You know? That was kind of a strange thing to hear him say. But, you know, we can do this with anything, anything that makes us feel good, that, again, gives us certainty and security in life and gives us that satisfaction. Anything, any good gift that God gives us, we can turn into an idol. And we all have our weaknesses. Uh, friends, trips, shopping, community service, you name it. It goes on and on. So just reflect upon that as we talk together. You know, what? What is my idol? What, when I get off track, what do I put before Jesus? Because we all have one or two or three areas that we kind of go in that direction when we're off track. Well, the sin of worshiping your idol, it has a lot of implications. First of all, you grieve the Holy Spirit. You grieve the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit is within you, and He wants to commune with you. He wants to... Again, be worshipped by you. And when we start to worship other things, uh, it saddens Him. It grieves Him. Because He created us for worship. He created us for a relationship. And we don't want to do that, obviously, right? You miss God's will for your life. When you're worshipping different idols, you miss what God wants. And that only can be found when you're chasing after Jesus, right? You sin against your church family. You rob your church family of your time, talent, and treasure. I want to talk a little more about uh, this. Uh, I've been very burdened uh, this week. It's been a very difficult week for me personally as uh, your pastor and, and leader of this family. And uh, for those of you who are guests... And those of you who are newer, I pray that you would excuse me as I talk to those who are part of our family here. This has nothing to do with you. And, and uh, the Spirit has just led me to say, Dan, you just need to kind of lay it out there in regards to uh, what's happening. But uh, I got our uh, January giving uh, report uh, in terms of what people give I me. Mean, totals and things of that nature, and, and it was very concerning. Uh, January 2013 general fund giving is lower than any month in 2012. Now, usually January is one of the highest months that we have. So when I saw that, I saw, I've been watching it throughout the month, but I was waiting for the last week to see, okay, you know, what's going on here, because obviously that's one of my responsibilities as your, as your leader to watch, for the finance, watch out for the financial health of our church. Now, January 2013, heartstrong giving is lower than any month in 2012. January 2013, heartstrong giving is at 60% of commitments. And this is the one that really puzzled me. More than 50% of families in January 2013 are giving less than they did in 2012. And uh, what's that about? I mean, we've gone through this past year of our Heartstrong initiative and people 
committing monies to do new things here at Springbrook and support our present ministries. And it, this included heart-strong giving. So how can more than half of our families be giving less in 2000, you know, January 2013 than they were in January 2012? And uh, it, it really concerned me because uh, I know if this trend continues that we're going to have to make some very difficult uh, decisions as uh, elders in our church about, well, we run a pretty lean budget already. And uh, it might have to be staff that we would have to, uh, to lay off. And that just, that really just burdened me terribly. And, um, Uh, and I was thinking, you know, what are the reasons why people don't give? Well, some of them are, first of all, just financial hardship. I, my heart just goes out to those of you who have lost your job or you're underemployed. Or talking to a family last night, and they went in to have their car fixed, and it's supposed to cost $200, and it costs $4,700. Uh, you know. And uh, I, I talk to so many of you, and my heart goes out to you in the midst of this difficult recession that we've been going through and how it's impacted your life. I think another issue is just immaturity. You know, we all grow at certain rates in different parts of our Christian life, and typically when it comes to our giving to the Lord, that's one of the slower <laughs> uh, spiritual factors that grow. Uh, people don't fully understand God's teaching. Uh, then I, I think there's just the area of disobedience. I mean, I have taught regularly on stewardship, and uh, I think that, again, my intention is not to lay a guilt trip. And for those of you who are new, this is very unusual for me to do. But because of the nature of the situation, I really felt led by the Lord just to come out and say it, that uh, there's got to be families out there who are just disobeying, that they're involved in idol worship, that they have built their lifestyle around idols. And therefore, when they look at their budget, there's no money to give to God, or very little money to give to God. And because of that, because of their sin of idol worship, that's impacting and might severely impact the capacity of our ministry that we're doing together. And again, this is just if you feel convicted. Uh, don't, you know, again, take this personally unless the Holy Spirit wants you to take it personally. But uh, it's just something that we have to talk about. We have to talk about where is our heart. And so I'm doing something I don't think I've ever done in the history of our church. I'm interrupting a series. I was planning on teaching Ecclesiastes until Easter, and I'm thinking, you know, we really just need to take a break here and spend three weeks talking about giving away your heart. Giving away your heart. And the question is, how much of your heart does God have? The key verse here is Matthew 6.21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I've taught many times on this, the fact that your treasure follows your heart. Wherever your heart goes, whatever you 
are worshiping, whatever is the most important thing to you, that's where your money flows because money is a currency of worship. Money gets us what we want in regards to our desires. And uh, when we're worshiping idols, that's where our money goes. And uh, that's a question that I just want our church, each one of us, to struggle with and, and to bring to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, am I obeying you in this area? And so this week and then uh, the next two weeks, we'll be talking about um, the joy of managing God's resources, the joy and blessings that He brings us and all the wonderful promises that He gives us. Hopefully we'll get a financial peace course off the ground here because I know a lot of you are in financial difficulties and you just need some assistance and need some teaching in that area. And, and, and we just want to help you out. And uh, so... I love you guys so much. I, I, just as you all were coming in, and I just saw you, I just, I just, I love this family so much. And sometimes as a leader, you just have to, you know, speak truth. And, you know, if it applies to you, take it, process through it, repent. If it doesn't, don't, you know. Just let the Spirit speak to you. But, The thing that uh, frustrates me so much is that, you know, God has his position to do so many wonderful things through our heartstrong initiatives. And, again, to be struggling like this, it's just like, oh, God, you know, I'm so excited about this year, but all of a sudden I see numbers that, you know, are not healthy. And, therefore, it's what, you know, good families do. We talk about the hard issues, and and uh, I just really, I just want to ask us all to pray. I really believe personally that God's going to pull us through this. That you know, God's going to work in people's hearts, and God's going to bring other people who come along to our ministry to help us carry this burden. Uh, wonderful joy of this ministry, but it will take some hard work too, because really, it, you know. It's really not a financial crisis in our church. It's a spiritual crisis in our church. Because, again, Jesus Christ teaches more than anybody. <laughs> he teaches more on this issue than prayer and faith and that kind of thing because he knows that that issue of how we spend our resources is so closely linked to what we worship. And he says, you know, give to me. Give to me first. Honor me, and I'll take care of you. And uh, so, all that to say is, uh, please pray with me. I want you to pray with me daily during the month of February. And let's uh, see what God is going to do. And I wanted to share with you uh, the great things that God has in store for us, I believe, uh, this year. Uh, what we have a joy uh, to give to you. So let me just take some time to talk about our HeartStrong initiatives. Uh, the first one, as you probably remember, is loving God together. Loving God together. And part of when we give to HeartStrong and our general budget is we're supporting Jeff Osborne's salary. We had a plan for over three years. And I tell you, just this morning, wait till the end of the service, oh my. <laughs> he has done so much in such a short time of just enriching us, creating moments within our time together where we're 
drawn closer to God, and he is just a gift from God, he and Tabby. And it's so wonderful to have him. He has just a way of bringing the best out of people, uh, recruiting people. We've got so many more no people. He's telling me the other day, he says, well, you know, I mean, you before, before he was here, uh, again, we didn't have a full-time person. Uh, we were kind of scrambling to find people to be on stage, and now he has to say, well, I'll get back to you. <laughs> We've got enough people for a month or so. And uh, that's just the beauty of leadership, of somebody who's gifted and talented and called. And uh, we're so grateful uh, for your giving in order to see Jeff up here and lead us closer to the Lord. Loving God one-on-one, we've talked about the daily office. And my, my desire is that you would spend time with Jesus. And one thing I've been doing with this Ecclesiastes series, which we'll begin again, after this three-week hiatus, uh, we'll go back to four weeks in Ecclesiastes. But uh, uh, I've been sending out a daily office uh, based on my message because I just want to throw as many ideas at you as possible in helping you to connect with Jesus. Just taking that time during the day and saying, this is Jesus' time, and I'm going to pursue Him, and I'm going to go after Him, and I'm going to seek Him, and I'm going to worship Him. I've got some exciting news to share with you today. As part of our HeartStrong initiative, we wanted to hire maybe a couple different people to help us out, but because of reduced giving, uh, we have decided we can hire one person part-time, and we've done that. We've got a HeartStrong administrator. Her name is Shannon Marcou, and she's going to be working 15 hours a week in order to help us to fulfill all these different projects that we want to do. And being heartstrong for our families and heartstrong for our community, acts of compassion. Shannon was part of a small group last year about this time when we were talking about heartstrong, and she happened to visit there because her friend uh, was attending, and so she listened to the messages and she studied and she said, "Wow, this is great." And she said, "I love ministry so much. She's been involved in ministry in the past." And she sent me a resume and she said, "I would love to help you out." And God led me to the resume when I was looking for this administrator and uh, I had it in my files and I picked it out and I said, oh, I gave her a call and had an interview and and went to our elders and we decided she's uh, the gal uh, to help us out. She's got a passion for ministry. Uh, You'll love her. And uh, she uh, will be again helping us uh, with many other volunteers to do uh, God's work here. So we rejoice over uh, that development of having her on our staff. Now, what are some of the things she'll be helping with? Well, we're loving our families, we see here. Uh, i got some fun stuff coming up here. we got the Date Night Challenge. We did this last year, and the whole idea is to encourage married people to go on dates. (laughs) That might be foreign to some people. But (laughs) remember when you were courting and you were dating all the time and just having a great time? Well, let's do it again if you haven't been doing it. At least once a month, my vision is that throughout this year, 2013, that all of us who are married, and if you're single, we'll try to fix you up with people, but uh, the idea is to have a date every month, just one date. And and there's a lot of cheap ways uh, to have a date. If finances are a problem and children many times are a challenge, if you need babysitters, we'll, we'll try to think creative ways to get people on dates and and this is a great way to start. This is a focus in February. Now, they say have four dates in February, and I'm thinking, that's a little much. Nothing against my wife, but, uh, 
know, I mean, there's a lot of coordination and it costs money. So I said, let's just try to do one a month. But I encourage you to go on this website and to uh, look at the information there. Download the app, uh, the Date Night Challenge app, Date Night Chicago, on your smartphone. And it's got all kinds of ideas, and it's got questions if you're not sure what to talk to your spouse about. It's kind of like, you know, you get together across the table at a restaurant. What do we talk about? <laughs> Gives you questions, you know, about talking about areas you haven't talked about in years. So uh, we're going to be telling you more about that next week. Then the couple's checkup is part of this. And this is a uh, survey that you take online. And it tells you about the health of your marriage, and it gives you different questions that you can ask each other because you, t- you take what well, wife takes a survey, the husband takes a survey, you put them together, and you find out how healthy are we. And, and, and this is a $35 value. Now, I'm not talking about value, value, you know, like you hear the retail price. This is how much it costs you online if you go for it. But again, through the Date Night Challenge with the Chicago Wide Effort and other cities, they're offering. The gold standard of really these type of surveys are offering it for free. And you can even offer it to your friends for free. And we'll talk more about that next week. But I, I'm really pumped up about that. And, and then they're going to give us an aggregate report, not your confidential information, uh, but uh, we all go under a, sing, a certain code, and they're going to tell us, okay, how are all the couples at Springbrook doing in conflict resolution? And they'll just, you know, tell us what the percentages are. And therefore, we'll, we'll know where to focus and and how to help each other in that area. All right, the art of marriage. How many went to that uh, seminar last year? The art of marriage. Raise your hand. Okay. Well, we're going to have it again. And this time, we're going to reach out to our community. It was more in-house last time. And we'd love to have you involved in that and to bring your gospel friend along, someone you're loving to Jesus. And again, a ministry to our community and a ministry to our people. Uh, Blended Families Workshop we're working on. Parenting Workshop. In fact, I would encourage you to take out the communication slip that you have in your program and fill out that information, uh, but also write on there any ideas you have about workshops. Like if you're a single person, how can we have workshops that would encourage you? Or We just want to put together a list of ideas and see how popular certain ideas are so that we can bring people in uh, to encourage you in walking with the Lord in your relationships. Then we want to talk about loving our community. Loving our community, acts of compassion. Penny Jerzak is our director for Kids Hope USA. It's a mentoring program for elementary age children. And we're working on an agreement, uh, or a relationship that is, with Legee Elementary School, just nearby here. And uh, what we're going to be doing hopefully after Easter is we're going to have mentors go into Legee, and then uh, at lunchtime you spend an hour with a child once a week. That's a commitment that you make. And you hang out with them, and you help them with their homework, and it's kids who, for whatever reason, might be struggling in school. And it's just a beautiful thing to be able to invest in a child's life. So we'll go to the end of the school year, then we'll start again next year. And the studies show, we'll tell you more about this, uh, that the impact of just that one hour a week in that elementary age child uh, is just phenomenal and how it changes the, the course of their life, academically especially, and in other areas. And so maybe if you're interested in finding out, out more about being a mentor, again, write that down on your communication slip, and we'll put you on a list and let you know about that. But we're really excited about that compassion ministry that we're getting involved in. 
the food truck. I think this is our fifth month that we've had it. It was last Saturday. Pastor Rich uh, was taking the lead, and he was telling me about how, you know, these people were coming in at like 7.30 in the morning for a 10 o'clock food truck. And they were in our atrium, and our people were there, and they were having conversations, and some were sharing the gospel. Others were talking about how you can find a job, and just loving these people who are going through such difficult times, people caring for them. And the ultimate purpose of compassion is to show people Jesus. And that's what we're, we're seeking to do through all these different uh, ministries. At the Grafton Food Pantry, we want to be able to say, okay, Tuesday afternoon, Springbrook is going to staff the Grafton Food Pantry. Uh, we want to partner with them. The Wayside Center, Gene Heckenberg, is our homeless missionary down in Elgin, and he's heavily involved in that. So Shannon just went down this week and met with Gene and thinking through all the different possibilities of how we can partner with them and help the homeless. McHenry County, they have a jail ministry. We want to partner with them. And if you're interested in jail ministry, we have opportunities in that area. And Shannon will be help organizing that along with our compassion team that meets every other week. And small group projects, we have trimesters. And during this winter trimester, we're asking every small group to do a compassion project. Just so it's part of our culture. It's part of what we do. We reach out in love. We embrace people within our community and love them uh, to Jesus Christ. Another part of our heartstrong vision is to disciple people. So we support our general budget that disciples so many different people. And again, our mission as a church is seen in Matthew 28:19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We're all about making disciples from the little kids back in Kid City to the teenagers in our youth ministry to the young adults to adults in our small groups. We're always breaking open the Word of God and helping people to become more like Jesus. I'd like Jason Brown to come out right now. And I sat down with Jason about a week or so ago and heard his story. And I was so inspired by it. I wanted you to hear it as well. Uh, Jason is uh, directing sound right now. Oh, no, that's Dean. Uh, he's filling in for you. Jason, thanks so much uh, for being willing to come and tell us more about how God has worked in your life. Tell me about growing up. What was church like for you? Well, I grew up in a large family. Um, grew up Catholic. Went to uh, Catholic uh, grade school, junior high. I uh, was confirmed Catholic. Okay. And uh, how did you grow away from that? Well, um, I was never taught how to have a personal relationship with Jesus, and so I didn't have a strong accountability for, you know, fading a bit from my faith. Um, and so it uh, was kind of natural for myself and some friends to, to kind of fade away from the church a little bit. Yeah. So obviously the world teaches you to chase after different things. What did you chase after? Well, um, into you know, going into public high school, I went uh you know, I started going to, uh, hanging out with a lot of friends and went to a lot of parties, um, uh, heavily drinking, uh, doing some drugs, going uh, all through my teens and 20s. And um, I didn't go to church uh, after 18 until just recently. How did God get your attention? I think God put uh, my wife, Mary Beth, in my life, and uh, she was really the, 
driving force to get us to go to church. Uh, she wanted to find a church in the area. Uh, we went to a few different churches around around here before we found a place here at Springbrook. Now, you told me that Mary Beth uh, made a decision to become a Christ follower earlier in her life, but when did you make that decision? Um, well, we started coming here uh, November 2007, and in January 2008, um, I decided to follow Christ. We had been coming regularly and attending, and uh, it really touched me, and we had the prayer up, and it just seemed very natural to... Right in this service, we were talking about becoming a Christ follower, and you made that decision. That's wonderful. So you're five years old spiritually. Correct. Yeah, you're entering kindergarten. Way to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me uh, how the family here at Springbrook helped you to become a stronger disciple of Christ or follower of Christ. Um, you know, a lot of the, the uh, small groups that we attended, uh, that we still attend, are. are uh, great groups of people. Uh, it's great growing with those people. Uh, knowing like-minded people, our our children are growing up with their children. Um, it's uh, that's that's a special connection we have. I've made you know several friends by uh, joining a small group, especially. I know you showed up at two o'clock yesterday uh, to help with the sound ministry, and you're staying till right one o'clock. I hope you didn't stay overnight, did you? Oh, that's good. No. Well, uh, how has that impacted your life, helping out with production? Well, you know, the uh, worship here is, is, a, is a special to me. I'm, I, I have a very spiritual connection with music, and, and uh, the, the worship team here is just a special group of people. We do spend uh, quite a bit of time uh, together. Everyone has a different story. Um, there are new faces all the time, learning about new people, and there are different walks through Christ here, and it, the, um, I've made very, very good friends. We we spend, uh, like I said, it's, it's about a 16 hours a week to yeah, to do right. worship service. That you know you spend together, and uh, everyone's very encouraging, and it's it's a great time. Now, Jason and I were talking about discipleship and how you change slowly in your attitudes and how you think and how you approach life and how you talk, and all of a sudden you wake up one day and say, "What happened?" <laughs> it's discipleship, right? You assimilate. Those values and the Holy Spirit continues to make you more like Christ. In fact, uh, you are a general contractor remodeling homes, and uh, one of your uh, subs uh, had something to say about you. Yeah, I was working with a guy that I had uh, just began a relationship with, uh, one of the subcontractors there, and I had mentioned I was talking to somebody at church, and he actually said to me, he says, and I thought you were one of those. Yeah, one of those. And you know, I had, <laughs> I had never heard that before. In construction, you have a different kind of language. That's and right. You try not to do that. So I, I, I think I must be doing something right. That's now. right, brother. God's at work, and uh, you're a light to that particular individual. And uh, it's so great to have you as part of our family, and it's so great to see you grow. And I want to thank you so much uh, for getting up here. I know you weren't crazy about this size room. But uh, your story means so much to people. Thank you, buddy. Right. Friends, that's such an encouraging story because that's the business we're in. Making disciples, helping people to mature in their faith. And that's one of the reasons we give so generously is because we know that the, I know the people have invested in my life over the years have changed. I mean, God has used them to make me more like Jesus. And 
Uh, it's still very much a work in progress, but now we just want to give back to other people. We want to make this ministry available to encourage people. Other things that are going on in disciple-making, as we have Beth Quick and Michelle Howe as our children's interim team. They're doing a bang-up job, just uh, loving kids and Kids City. We have a Hurricane Sandy trip. You gave so generously to that. Uh, over $17,000 to help people out there. We're going to send people on a trip out there. You'll hear more about that and that opportunity. Our Women's Retreat. That's another discipleship opportunity. Happened a couple weeks ago. Here's some pictures of it. Uh, ladies just having a wonderful time together, uh, eating together, playing together. This is weird. Um, uh, Cheetos and whipped cream. I'm not sure. Let's, let's keep going. That's disturbing. Uh, but we've got uh, ladies here, and we had about 57 women on this retreat. And if you missed it, make sure that you make it a priority uh, for next year. So, uh, all that to say is, man, God is going to do some exciting things. He always promises He will if we have faith, right? And we need to exercise that faith. And again, we go back to our key verse here, Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And my, my uh, challenge for you and for myself is that we would ask this question this week. How much of our heart does God have? How much of our heart does God have? How engaged are we in worshiping Him? Are there idols that we need to deal with in our life, that we need to throw out, that we need to repent over in order that we might experience life as God desired it, in order that we might be part of a family that's moving ahead and moving out in seeing people come to Christ and to grow up as disciples. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank You for this time of reflecting upon uh, just the wonderful things that uh, we believe You want to do through us this year. And Lord, You are the great provider. And I put my full faith in You, and I pray that my friends will just continue to put their full faith in You, uh, that You'll provide for all our needs, as You always have done here at Springbrook. And Lord, You're just putting us through a new test and asking us to take a look at our own lives and our own priorities and uh, how much of our heart is invested in You. And I pray that we would all journey together in becoming stronger disciples. In Christ's name, amen. Hey, if you could take out your communication slip, uh, just some next steps here under your name. Uh, Just circle these if uh, this is your intent. Uh, Number one, I will pray daily in February for God's provision for Springbrook. Uh, I want you to pray every day. Let's go to the Lord and put our trust in Him. Number two, I'll prayerfully evaluate my own giving to the Lord. Number three, I'll make a commitment to attend worship gatherings during the month of February. Please journey with us through this important time as we look toward the future. Uh, And then, uh, number four, I'll read my daily office five times uh, this week, or I'll have my daily office. Uh, number five, I'll meditate and or seek to memorize Matthew 6:21, and I'm interested in knowing more about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If we